when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way.
to remember Wesley and Peter who are still in hospital tonight, that the Lord will be with them and help them. And we ask you to pray for Yura, uh, Sukar, that's Anastasia's father, and he has received a temporary reprieve from going to the front line of the war. So that's an answer to prayer. And I know Anastasia would like to continue to pray uh, for that situation. Let's bow together before the Lord and seek his face in prayer. Loving God, we thank you tonight for this meeting that we can come together as your people to elevate our dear Savior, to rejoice in all that he has done for us, to meet with brethren and sisters of like precious faith, that we might enjoy fellowship together, that we might meet with the Lord as a body of his people, and in a very particular way, seek a way ahead for this church and for the witness here. We know how important the, the midweek service is, the time when we come together to pray and seek our God. And Lord, we come with reverence before the greatness, the sovereignty, the majesty of our God. And we come with humility at the same time for we are but weak vessels, flesh and blood. And yet given the immense privilege of coming to the Lord in prayer, fellowshipping with the God of heaven, we pray that we might be taught of God tonight in this service in every part. We've been singing this well-known hymn that reminds us that we ought to trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Grant to us that obedient heart, that readiness to do the will and the mind of God every day. You've told us in your word to present our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Lord, as we give ourselves to thee, as we give ourselves as that sacrifice on the altar, and we seek to walk with God and obey the Lord, we pray that we might know your will and that we might do it. Do it joyfully, cheerfully, from a heart that is filled with appreciation for all the Lord hath done for me, I never will cease to praise him and will never cease to serve him by your grace. Remember those that are in hospital and we commit Wesley and Peter into your care. We thank you that they are the Lord's children. And Lord, you know the detail. You know everything that's going on in their bodies. You know the things that they don't know. And Lord, we do pray that the Lord himself will superintend this sickness, that he will oversee all that's happening there in the wards of the hospital, that he will direct the way of doctors and nurses, and Lord, that he might be pleased to raise his children to health and strength again. Thank thee for answered prayer with Yuri and for this temporary reprieve going to the front line. 
Continue to bless the, the church of Jesus Christ, your people in the land of Ukraine. We pray, Lord, again in Jesus' name for the end of this war. That the Lord will step in. Christ is the Prince of Peace and he came to give peace to this world. And Lord, we know that the real peace that he gives is peace through the blood of his cross. We praise thee for sinners that are being saved and for those that are coming to Christ in these days under those difficult circumstances. Bless them, we pray. And bless the work here as we seek to raise the standard for the Lord in the preaching of the gospel. May Christ save daily such as should be saved. May he add to his church in Balamani. We pray for the conversion of sinners. We pray for the salvation of our loved ones, particularly in friends. And the special meetings and outreach programs are organized. Lord, we pray that you will take charge and that you will bring us into contact with men and women who know not the Lord. And as the gospel is shared, we pray that you will sow that seed. It's a mighty seed. It's your word. Sow it into the hearts of sinners and bring forth a harvest for your glory. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Very warm word of welcome. Uh, to each one coming now to the meeting on a cold winter's night. Uh, on Saturday, the Christmas open air is in Balamoney, in the centre of the town at 11 o'clock. I want as many of you to come, stand with us, sing with us, and the gospel will be preached. It's really the annual carol service outdoors in the centre of the town. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. Remember us as we speak to the Church in Uganda, the Emmanuel Mission Station, at a quarter past eight. Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class, quarter to 11. Worship service, 12 noon. The carol singing in the afternoon takes us to Knockin Lodge at three and coming back here to the town to the Covenanters Flats for a quarter to four. The evening time is a special time. It's the annual Christmas carol service at seven. Members of the church will take part. And we're very glad that our Ukrainian friends will worship with us on Sunday night and they will sing also. So it's, I'm looking forward to the, the meeting on Sunday night. I believe we'll have a good time in the house of God together. Supper will be served. Ladies, bring what we've encouraged you to bring. And just to mention again, anyone seeking membership, do see me as soon as possible. Before we sing 482, uh, just maybe to mention that the envelopes for 2023 are available. Uh, so I got it in good authority from the treasurer. And I suppose those could be got tonight. But certainly from Sunday onwards, if you get the envelopes of the church, they are available for you. Madge Bevan also wants to thank the church for remembering her in prayer. As you know, very recently she was in a dark place and struggling with health. And she believes the Lord has just stepped in and improved the situation. And that's a direct answer to prayer. And she wants to thank those here who have been remembering her. As we pray this hymn, let's sing it with all of our hearts. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still.
Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. A couple of verses particularly that we want to emphasize tonight in our Bible study. We'll read the opening 12 verses of the chapter. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 12. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning, of plaiting the hair, and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit the blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, <clears throat> let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I would like to, to preach in these final verses. Um, but we haven't time to do that. I'm going to single out verses 8 and 9. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil. Or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And I've just put a little title in this, Searching and Spiritual Instructions. And they come by the inspiration of God through Peter. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we seek thee again for this moment. We've read your word. It's been a challenge already. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little, your word comes with freshness and power as we look to the Lord by the ministry of the Spirit 
as he applies divine truth, then we know that, that God speaks to us. And Lord, you've spoken already in the reading. As we meditate upon these couple of verses, direct our way, give us understanding, challenge our hearts, help us, Lord, to hear the word, help us to do it, to be obedient hearers of divine truth. Help me to bring the message. Give me the strength physically and spiritually that I need just now. For I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I just couldn't get away from, from this text. Who still reads Daily Light every day? It's not, a, it's not an essential thing to read. Everybody has their own readings. Well, if you were reading Daily Light this morning, these were the last couple of verses that you would have read. And they really struck me and I couldn't get away from them. Uh, I just felt in my heart, I've got to share them, uh, give a little bit of explanation as we seek to expound them together here this evening. Because these verses are full of practical and godly instruction. It's a final word. That's how Peter puts it here. He uses the word in verse 8, finally. And I would, as I say, love to preach in the whole section that follows. But I'm going to home in and concentrate on verses 8 and 9 tonight. And I want to begin at the end of the text. This is Peter's encouragement to those who, who walk obediently, who, who live right in the sight of God. There's such a thing, as you know, as living right in the sight of God. And that being the case, it's very possible to live not right before Almighty God. We were so full of sin, we're so prone to backsliding. It was said of the ancient people of God, the Lord says, my people are bent on backsliding. And that word bent just means you've got a bias. You've got a, a bias towards backsliding. And that's in us all because of the old man. Uh, old man. And so we're, we're apt to forget the Lord. And we're apt to forget our, our Christian duties, how we ought to conduct ourselves. And so we have to put the checks in all the time. I'm sure you have to do that every day, certainly every week, but probably every day. You just have to put the checks in and just stop yourself and, and look to the Lord. How am I to live in this world? We need to challenge our hearts continually and, and look to God for grace every day to be what we ought to be and to forsake the, the cold-heartedness and the backsliding that is there. Peter concludes these two verses with this declaration. That ye should receive a blessing. Isn't that what we covet after? Isn't that what you desire as a child of God? Don't you want the blessing of God? You want that blessing to rest upon you. You want that blessing to rest upon your, your family, your friends as well. You might even pray Regularly, the prayer of Jabez, which was a very personal prayer, when he said, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me. Indeed. And you've maybe even got to that place in your life from time to time where you've been able to wrestle with God like Jacob did all the night through with that holy determination and boldness when he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. These are two, and there's others, but these are two of the characters of the Old Testament that, that cried unto God from the depths of their heart 
for the blessing of God. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. We have wanted God to command the blessing of the Psalm 133, which is all to do with unity. Just three verses in it. And it talks about how blessed it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it gives some description there. But you know how it ends. For there the Lord commanded his blessing, even life forevermore. And we have wanted the Lord to command that blessing, to, to order it on our behalf. Send the blessing to that man. Send the blessing to me in a very personal way. And you will know that the blessing of God in Psalm 133 is conditional. It's conditional to what that psalm is talking about and that is brethren dwelling together in unity do not expect the blessing of God to be commanded to you if that is not so and you will discover that the blessing of God is generally prefaced with a description that is to do with our obedience to the Lord there's always a condition I take you back to ancient Israel having come out of the the land of Egypt, they come now to the borders of the promised land. Deuteronomy is a record of the second edition of the law. The law is now being given again. It's expanded upon a little bit. There's nothing changed, but it is expanded upon. And what the Lord is doing to his people there is he's setting down the conditions of blessing. If these people are going to be blessed, if they're going to be happy in their new land, this land of inheritance, well, then here are the conditions. Turn back just for a moment to Deuteronomy and the chapter 11. And I want you to mark just two little verses here, verse 26, 27. I'm sure you know them well. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Verse 27, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. So there you see very clearly the blessing of God is connected with obedience. Obey the Lord, walk with God, seek to, to enjoy the Lord in his blessings and he will command the blessing on your behalf. That's God's blessing and it's conditional. So it is here with, with 1 Peter chapter 3. We can receive a blessing according to Peter as we, we walk and live according to this text. And then I want you to notice also at the end of my text that there is this little phrase, knowing that ye are hereunto called. Child of God tonight in grace, God has called you. He's called you with a holy calling. He's called you to himself in redemption and salvation. He's transformed your life. He has changed your life. That's the life to which you have been called. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And God's redemption has brought you and I out of the world to live on a higher plane with him. To conduct ourselves in a manner that, that shows forth our profession. And that glorifies God at the same time. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? We are to live in this world in a way that shows we are Christians. That we are who we profess to be. And as we do that, God will be glorified and he will be honored. 
So I want you to note what Peter is teaching here in these few descriptions which belong to the truly redeemed people of God that highlights just a little bit of what we are as Christians, how we ought to live before God in this dark world and especially details about our relationship with other believers. You'll know that the whole law of God is summed up in two commandments. A commandment, if I can give it in brief, to love God. And the second commandment, to love your neighbor. And if you live that way, in the truest sense, you're going to fulfill all the ten commandments. For the first part of the Decalogue is to do with our relationship to God. And the second part, our relationship to man. And in our relationship to man, there's a way to live and conduct ourselves before the ungodly. Uh, We know that, and the scripture teaches that. But there's also a way to live and conduct ourselves with each other as members of the church, as members of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is outlining our attitude towards our brethren and our sisters in the Lord. Indeed, it's a plea for godly unity and love among the blood-bought people of God. And in these verses, there are seven details. I'm not going to preach long on this. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to pass on some comments. I might dwell a little on one of them more than another, whatever the case might be. But I want you to note them. The first one, be ye all of one mind. And this is true unity. When, when you and I, as the Lord's dear people, have the same mind, especially when it comes to God's work and and the service that we render unto the Lord. It's what Paul referred to in Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. Be of the same mind, one toward another. And writing to the Corinthian church when he said, Be ye perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. And perhaps no church needed that exhortation more than the Corinthian church. If you know anything about Corinth, you will know the sins that were in that church. And one of the prevalent sins was that of division. And Paul addresses it, addresses it in both the letters, but especially the first letter that he wrote. And in that opening chapter, and as he talks about the divisions that are among them, he gives that exhortation, be ye perfectly joined together in the same mind in the same judgment. And that's, that's the same exhortation today. For any assembly of God's people, any church, they are to be of the same mind. It's the same exhortation for any group of God's people, even in the family context or in a group of friends, to be of the same mind. Our session and our committee know how often we, we pray this as a group of men, It might be true to say that there's never uh, a meeting when we come together for prayer or we begin the meeting with prayer that we ask the Lord to give us the same judgment, to bring our minds together, to bring our hearts together. And in all our decision-making that there will be that that like-mindedness. You know, we've all got different personalities and we've all got different opinions and we've all got different thoughts. Isn't that true? You don't need to be very long in somebody else's company before you realize they don't, they don't see eye to eye on everything that, that you think and everything that you believe. And, and that's so even with uh, the members of our session and our committee. We're all different. 
Not right, brethren. It's a tremendous response uh, from you, from you tonight. Some people are, are a wee bit introvert. And you can pick out the ones, myself, and, and well, there's one or two others you could say are quite introvert. Others are more outgoing. Uh, but we're all different. We're all different. And that's a, that's a very good thing, uh, obviously. You know, it's hard to get most groups to agree. But God says here, be ye all of one mind. And it doesn't mean that we don't have different opinions. We do. We just don't allow our opinions to interfere with our fellowship and with our love. I'm sure, ladies, there's different ways to prepare sandwiches. All right, you're making sandwiches these Sunday nights. I don't maybe get to see what you're doing, but there's different ways. And some people might cut them in triangles, and some people might cut them in rectangles. Some people might take off the crusts, others might not. And I guarantee the way you do it, you think it's the best way. And then somebody else has an entirely different opinion. So there's nothing wrong with having an opinion especially when it's over something so menial as sandwiches. I wouldn't want to fall out about how I cut my sandwiches. And there's, there's many, many different colors you could paint a wall. Philip Calderwood is our man, our man on, the, on the committee that does the research, and he gets the colors and he gets the samples, and we're going to paint uh, something. So if you see a color that you don't like, don't blame Philip because he just brings the samples to the committee. And, you know, the committee will discuss it, they'll look at it, and they'll have their opinions. And some people think if Philip has a recommendation, that's a good idea. And others might say, no, that's not so good an idea. But, you know, we, we talk about it and we don't let that break our fellowship. We wouldn't worry about what color the walls are, really. I can remember Paul Shue, whenever revival broke out in his church and God was saving many, many people, he didn't even attend the, the committee meetings. He says, what do I care what color a wall is? Uh, so that was his thought. I, I will continue to attend our committee meetings and share them. That's just the way they are. Way back in the old building, some of you are old enough to remember the discussion that we had. You remember the old building? The 72 building, red brick. And we needed new spoutings or downpipes. And the great question is, should they be black or white? All right. It really was a black and white decision, really. It really was. And some people thought they should be black. Some people thought they should be white. And we had our discussion. We made our decision. And we, we stayed united. Nothing wrong with having different opinions on these matters. But it doesn't break the unity that the apostle is speaking about here. When we make our decisions as church officers, we express our thoughts and we seek to do that graciously. But we take the majority decision and that's what we go with. We're not like the man who said, everyone is entitled to my opinion. All right? Nobody should go to any meeting with that kind of attitude in, in mind. Someone has said most of us are willing to have one mind as long as that one mind is my mind. The fact is, there, there is a benchmark, brethren and sisters, to aim towards. There's something that the scripture speaks about here. Having one mind is to have the mind of Christ. That is our common mind. To be like the Savior, 
Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16 said, we have the mind of Christ. And that's what we ought to aim towards. As you know, the mind of Christ was preeminently one of humility. And if we're going to come together and we're going to have our thoughts and our opinions expressed, whether it's in session committee or among ourselves as God's people, let's make sure that the mind that we have is like the mind of Christ, which is always going to be the mind of humility. He's the one who humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Humbled himself. And the exhortation there is, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we have the mind of Christ, we will walk in humility, and therefore we will give consideration to others. Be of one mind. Be of one mind refers to the essential unity of God's people. We, we are one, but we're not all the same. While we should all be of one mind, we can't expect everyone to be like us. God has built both unity and diversity among his people. If you understand that there's the unity, that's the things that unite us, that's the things that bring our minds and our hearts together. But there's also diversity. We're all different. We look different. We're different ages. We come from different backgrounds. We've got different personalities. Someone has put it this way, and I think it's a very good illustration. Every cell of your body is different. And each one has its role to play. But every cell in your body has the same DNA code written in it. The master plan for the whole body. Every cell in your body has the same mind. All right. You want to transport that into spiritual terms. Brethren and sisters, we have the same DNA, spiritually speaking. Even though we're different and we all have our different roles, we have the same DNA Christians should be like a good choir. Each one sings with his own voice in different parts, but everyone sings to the same music and in harmony with one another. So don't let the devil break the harmony. Don't let ill feelings or pride or resentment or envy or, or dominance rise up in our hearts to break that one-mindedness which ought to characterize us. Remember, to this, you and I are called that we might receive or inherit a blessing. I'll be briefer on the other ones. Number two, having compassion one of another. This is so important. We're living in an uncompassionate world. You look around us and I, I think you can see that displayed from the highest to the low. We see it displayed every day in the media now. There's very little compassion among some of the members of the royal family just now. Very sad what's going on really. From the high right down to the low. Don't let that spirit of inconsideration and lovelessness that you find in the world rub off on you as a Christian. It ought not to be so with the Lord's people. If we are like him at all, we will have a heart that is full of compassion and pity and thoughtfulness. We will discover our hearts moved with compassion. That's Christ. That's what it says of the Savior over and over again. The words compassion and Christ are synonymous the one with the other. They stand side by side. 
We rejoice with those that rejoice. We weep with those that weep. We enter into the feelings of those that are in need. What do you see when you, you gaze upon the, the ills of humanity? Those in need. How do you feel? Is your heart moved? Are, are your legs moved to do something? Is your wallet moved? As sometimes is required. And in the next few descriptions, Peter describes the, the kind of, of warm love that should be among the people of God. And so the third thing is love as brethren. Or should I say, as brethren ought to love one another. There is a bond among family members that is God-given. And I'm just talking now about the natural family. You all come from a family. And there is a bond there that I believe that God has given in our families. And sometimes that needs worked at. If we're honest, sometimes there can be a breakdown of relationships for whatever reason between members of the family. And we certainly see it in the scriptures. We think of Jacob and Esau and the break, total breakdown of relationship there. We think of the very first family that ever walked in this earth. We think of Cain and Abel. There certainly was a terrible breakdown in that uh, relationship. But that bond that is among the family, the natural family members, is also something that should be among God's family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We belong to each other in the family of grace. God is our father. Christ is our elder brother. Uh, and you and I that are truly saved, we're brothers and we're sisters in Christ. And there's a bond between us. And as such, that should be an unbreakable bond. I cannot read what Peter is saying here, love as brethren, without thinking of the story of Abraham and Lot. That part of the story that is recorded in Genesis 13. And it would be worthwhile just, just turning to it. You know the situation here so well. But it's worth noting it as you, you think of Peter's exhortation, love us brethren. And then certainly when I read that today, I thought of the plea of Abraham to Lot, we be brethren. And Abraham certainly wanted to love as brethren. Genesis 13 verse 5. Lot also which went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. So, you know, the blessing of God was upon them. Their substance increased. God blessed the, the flocks that they had. And, and it was such a blessing that there wasn't room just in a physical way to dwell together any longer. They're going to have to, to separate. But you know, that, that problem that arose brought difficulty and it brought division that it should not have. And verse 7 says, There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. I, I never read that publicly when I come to this passage of Scripture without pointing out and reminding you that God has put this in for a reason. It might just seem incidental, might just seem even out of place. Why would God say in the middle of the story that the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell there in the land? I think it's just to remind us the ungodly were watching on. And this problem, this trouble in the family, this strife that arose, 
the ungodly are watching on. That was not good. It's never good when there's, there's problems in a family, an earthly family or a church family, and the world is watching on, and the world is seeing what is happening. And so in verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herd men and thy herd men, for we be brethren. That's the plea that Uncle Abraham made to his nephew Lot. We're, we're brethren. And Peter says we are to love his brethren. I think that's exactly what Abraham was getting at there. If there were contentions among the best disciples, and you're not going to get greater men, higher men, holier men, godlier men than the ones that the Lord chose to be with him throughout his ministry. And then to carry on that work thereafter in the preaching of the gospel. And I'm referring to the 11 disciples, not Judas, but the 11 disciples. And if there was contention among them, and there was, Mark chapter 9, verse 34, Luke chapter 22 and verse 24 tells us about the strife, the contention that arose. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? If that happened with these men, then we must be on our guard because it could happen to us. We are to love as brethren. Never forget our love for each other is the measurement given by Jesus to the world to identify us as true disciples. In John thirteen thirty five, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples by the love that ye have the one to the other, says our blessed Savior. Jesus did not command his people to like, to like our brothers and our sisters in Christ. He did not command us to tolerate them, just to, to put up with them. No, the Lord commanded us to love them. We're to love as brethren. And then the fourth little thing that is pointed out here by Peter is be pitiful. And this is pity to those that are in distress. Pity is part of our compassion. It is to, to feel for others. They, they may be the sick. They may be the sorrowful. They may be the weak. They may be the vulnerable. They may be the poor and the needy. But we are to, to pity them. We are to feel for them. It, it was lovely to see the response on Sunday morning. And I know that not, I'm sure everybody, if they could, would have come forward. But it was lovely to see the wee section there after the service on Sunday morning. People volunteering to say, I'll come and help. Um, we're going to invite the community in. We did that on Wednesday. We'd love to have seen more in. Maybe this Wednesday coming, there'll be more that'll come. But it was just lovely to see that. And if for no other reason, it, it brought 30 plus people together and on Wednesday passed physically on the ground. There was 20 people there. And I know from speaking to some of you that you enjoyed the time together as brethren and sisters in Christ. You enjoyed the fellowship with each other. But I know that you were volunteering to, to help, to show pity, especially to those that, that needed a warm space just for a little while to come in and to be part of us in friendship. When we see someone in distress, pity moves us to 
to do something, if it is within our means to do that. We're not like the, or we are not to be like the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan and walk by on the other side. Christianity requires pity to the distressed. Uh, we're not to, to act as the ungodly do. Be pitiful. Then Peter says, be courteous. And that's just good manners. Some people lack good manners. Not so the redeemed of God. The redeemed of God ought to be a mannerable people. The, the implantation of grace changes us. Changes us from the inside out. Some of you will remember the old driving license. Who remembers? You know the wee blue driving license? It was quite small and it was like a little booklet. Mervyn, Mervyn's old enough to remember. Who all remembers the wee blue driving license? Come on, put your hand up. All right, do you remember there were three words on the back of it, the reverse side? Do you remember? They all began with C. Care, courtesy, and consideration. Well done. Do you have to look at driving license quite often, Paul? In your, in your profession? Well, there you go. If that is so, just driving out on the road there. And in fact, there's wee words that come after that. It says, care, courtesy, consideration on the road saves lives. And if that is so... When it comes to an ordinary thing in life, driving out on the roads to show courtesy is, is the word we're thinking about here. How much more important is it in our relationships with one another as God's people? Be courteous. And then it says not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. I'll put that in together. The greatest challenge to our love for others comes when we are wronged when some other Christian offends us. They say something about us. They do something against us. They, they act in a way that hurts us. In such times, the, the flesh rises up to act in a way that, that should be foreign to the triumph of grace in our lives. Our attitudes change. For some, they stop speaking. Maybe some even retaliate. They speak inadvisedly with their lips. They seek revenge. They want to do something back on that person that has hurt them. It ought not to be. In such times, we are called upon not to return evil for evil or railing for railing no dispute argument or personality conflict among believers should continue we make sure that our responses are godly Christ-like honorable and I would even put the word sweet keep it sweet only the love of Christ in our hearts can can make us respond in the right way. And I just say to you, brethren and sisters, I say it to my own heart, ever seek it. Ever seek it, if you can. If matter, matters need to be put right, put them right. Go immediately, without delay, 
and put them right. To render evil for evil or railing for railing is a sinful, unchristian practice. And such is forbidden of God. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. We must hasten on just as we conclude. It just finishes here these two verses in what we are to be but contrarywise blessing. Instead of retaliating, instead of, of fighting back or doing evil or, or wishing evil upon another, we are to give them a blessing instead. And I tell you, that takes real grace to act this way. Yet that's what the Bible is teaching here. That's what Peter through the Holy Spirit is writing here to your heart and mine. Never lose sight of how the text ends, knowing that ye are here unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Do not expect the blessing from God if you do not live in the godly fashion that Peter is outlining here. By blessing those who have wronged us, According to Peter, we shall inherit a blessing. So let us heed God's word. Let us take these instructions seriously. Let's look to the Lord for the grace to live the Christian life the way that the Lord has intended us to live so that we might inherit the blessing. I want the blessing of God. Let's aim towards it, brethren and sisters, and live by the truth of divine inspiration. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of it. Couldn't help but think about it seriously when we read these words this morning in daily light. And Lord, they've come again through this day with freshness, with power, with challenge to my heart. And Lord, I pray to our people and those that are maybe listening in tonight on the internet, write your word upon our hearts and help us to live according to divine truth, that we might receive the blessing of Almighty God for Jesus' sake. Amen. We had a lovely time, by the way, on Monday night, just show one wee quick slide there, going around carol singing. I want to thank those who came. And we, we didn't get round everybody, so we're going to have to have another wee go at it probably Tuesday night of next week, if, if any of you are free uh, to go around some more. We also had a lovely time with the children from the school because they went out and they sang. They just got into one home, but they sang plenty. They started downstairs, then they went upstairs, and then there were a couple of individuals that were really shut in, and they, they went to the door of those rooms and they sang. And I tell you this, they brought a lot of joy to those old folks, many of them suffering uh, greatly with dementia in St. James's, but they brought a lot of joy, and we know that. We did have our wee time on Wednesday, and these were the first folks that came, and we're, we're very glad that they did. So again, thank you for those that came in to help. Right in the center is Pastor Florine. A couple of times a month they've been doing these trips, as you know, to the land of Ukraine, bringing a lot of supplies. And this is just recent photographs from this week. 
So you see all those trolleys that are lined up there? Uh, this is the amount of stuff that they're bringing in in the vans that they're, they're driving to Ukraine. And we just want you to pray for those that are really in need that the Lord will have mercy upon them. You know, Stefan got his pig today. It's not that pig on the left-hand side, but it is the one that's lying cold and still on the right-hand side. So he's getting it prepared for Christmas. And you'll see me there because that's a screenshot of... He, he wanted me to see this pig lying on the ground. And you know all the things you need to do to prepare it for eating that I wouldn't go into tonight. But again, we're talking about some of you old folks that you maybe lived on a farm... And maybe on your farm years ago, you killed the pig and you, you did the preparation all at home. We're, we're just glad to rely on the factories and get it in, in the local supermarket. Uh, that's handier for us. But he is absolutely delighted. And uh, we thank God for the provision. The hymn 479, asking the Lord in this hymn just to search out our hearts. Search me, O God, my my actions try and let my life appear as seen by thine all searching eye to mine my ways make clear. often for the sick and we ask you to keep them in mind 
as we come to our season of prayer tonight and everything that we have been coming through with our friends from Ukraine to those that we don't know that are being helped and all the projects that are operational in these days of war and so we're coming now to our time of prayer and we say good night to those that are listening in on the internet it's been a joy to have you we trust that you've been blessed and challenged and may the Lord go with you as we part and we go our separate ways thank you <clears throat>